0: Hello and welcome to the podcast from Holy Trinity, Wester Hales. We're delighted that you've joined us for this week's podcast and pray that you'll be blessed through it. Amen. Amen. We have someone, there is someone who has overcome the world. Uh, Hang on a minute, who does that include? It uh, includes you, it includes me. There is someone who has overcome, someone who is greater, higher, more powerful, more able, and yet someone who cares for you as if you were the only person in the world. Like last week, it's so brilliant to have a, a weekend focus, Thursday through till Sunday, when just for those four days we can meet together and say, Lord Jesus, what a saviour what a saviour, you went all the way to the cross for us. The, the truth is, it, it's Easter every day. And so just to hold it back for last week, it's, it's, I, I know we don't do that, but it's almost as if you can have four days, we praise Jesus, and then seven days later, we come to church and oh, what are we doing now? Uh, well, the truth is, it's the same message. The, the, the Jesus who rose on Easter Sunday, who we praised last week, is the same Jesus who we're praising today. So it's a blessing to be together, to be led by Richie with the, these songs and the, and the band as well. I, did you know, I think Dan was doing some bluesy chords in there at some point, that's, that's brilliant. So uh, bless the uh, the band here with, uh, I've mentioned Dan and Richie now, so if I don't mention Lewis, I'll be in trouble, and, uh, and, and the media team as well. For all that they do, it's wonderful that we can just spend time praising God together, the the same God who we praised last week. So before we return to Hebrews, finally return to Hebrews, let's just uh, get before the Lord and ask ask him to be our minister this morning. Lord Jesus, uh, we wouldn't want to claim anything for ourselves. Uh, We stand before you without a plea other than that your blood was enough It was enough for all of us, not just for me. So thank you, Lord, that you're here now. And we ask that by your spirit, you'd grant us ears to hear what you're saying to us. Our focus is on you. Help our ears to be open to you, that we'll hear what you're saying. And Lord, I pray that our hearts will be ready to receive your word, Lord. We don't just want to be listeners of your word, but receivers and doers. So we'll pray that uh, as you minister this morning, by your spirit, you'll enable us in your grace to respond according to your purposes. Lord, you you didn't bring us here just to be entertained or to have a good time, but for the purposes you have for each of our lives. So I pray that your purposes, your plans that you have for each of us, Lord, you tell us they're good plans and they're plans that give us a hope and a future. Well, Lord, I pray that those plans will be furthered because of these moments that we spend in your presence this morning. And so to the end, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts will be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our strength, our rock, our redeemer. Amen. Amen. So uh, the end of Hebrews chapter thirteen, um, we have somewhere around uh, the autumn term last year that we began going through Hebrews, and uh, I know you've been blessed. I've been blessed just to look at this amazing book, which tells us about Jesus, that the focus is on him. Um, it, It takes us, though, into that context of the Old Testament, of sacrifice, of ritual, of blood. It tells us things like, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. And it talks about the shedding of the blood of animals in the tabernacle, the tent, The temple also comes into it as this place where the people could gain, if you like, access to God through the shedding of blood. But the book of Hebrews takes us into a new covenant. And the blood that was shed, such that not just every week there needs to be a sacrifice, but there was a sacrifice once, happened once, it didn't need to happen again, for all, for all time. So this is for you, for me, for all time, a sacrifice was made. So that's what the book of Hebrews gives us. Um, when you're writing a document, as we said from the start, Ian led us into Hebrews and said how we don't really know who wrote it. Fair enough. Uh, we, we don't, if you like, have that author. Um, and so we don't really know just when. And the audience as well isn't, isn't as clear. So some... The, the letters, for instance, are quite clear. Paul said, Paul to Timothy. He, Hebrews doesn't do that. Um, however, because the, the, the content is, is such that if you were a, a, from a Judaistic background, you'd recognize all the imagery that's being given about the tabernacle and the temple. And so it seems that it would be well received... a a Hebrew audience so that's why we can only call it if you like the book of of the Hebrews or something like that so we don't know any more than that whether it was a letter we don't know or or maybe something like a, a sort of sermon a piece of writing a piece of teaching that was circulated among the churches again it's a good possibility of that because it's very in some ways quite general teaching and so this was maybe a document that was written sent out to a church who would also send it to another church that seems to be as much as we know and we, we can settle for that when you're coming to the end of such a document maybe you write little bits on the end if you're the the person doing the bit of, uh, of the writing if you like uh, and so that's why there's one or two personal greetings on the end but we're going to look today at a couple of features that are in that last chapter First of all, we've said how Hebrews gives us this uh, massive imagery. Most of the chapters uh, are based on the the ritual sacrifice, if you like, that was taking place in the tabernacle and and the sacrifice of animals. So it gives us that, but then it goes on to talk about Jesus. And, And the book is about Jesus. And so maybe there are just kind of two ways being presented. Strengthened by grace. So there seems to be a focus on sacrifice and ritual. However, grace begins to feature. If you have the Bible open, you'll see the very last words of Hebrews are grace. Be with you all. What a nice way to end a book. Grace. Be with you all. Just before that, when you're coming to a, the end of a piece of work or the end of a service, if you think about it now, we have a, a benediction, uh, this sort of final blessing to everybody. And yes, Hebrews has one. And because this is the book of Hebrews, sometimes we say, oh, yeah, God bless you. OK, like that. But no, 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 no. Not the book of Hebrews, which has just expanded on on this amazing piece of theology. Um, I'd be a bit disappointed if it said, and so God bless you all. What what does he do? Uh, He says, now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant. Let's think about the book of Hebrews, blood sacrifice. Hang on a minute. God of peace through the blood. Yeah, with no forgiveness without the shedding of blood. The eternal covenant. Right, hang on, covenants, old covenant, new covenant, if you like, recorded in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And here we have an eternal covenant. So through that eternal covenant, brought back from the dead, all right, we know who's, where this is going, our Lord Jesus. So it's a Jesus-focused benediction, a Jesus-focused book. That great shepherd of the sheep just come through. Passover time, imagery around sheep and the one who looks after the sheep, Jesus. Okay, equip you in everything good. So it's about Jesus. It's about what Jesus has done. But then the focus comes back to you. This is the book of Hebrews almost in a nutshell. It's about Jesus. It's about who he is, what he's done, but then how he is working in you, in me, as his people. May he equip you for everything good, for doing his will, that he may work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus, to whom be glory forever and ever and ever. Amen. What a benediction. What a blessing right there at the end of Hebrews. Because in some ways, it picks out some of the features that we've just read about in the previous, if you like, 13 chapters. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. When you read through chapter 13, you've got these cracking verses that many of us know. Some of you will know these verses. And Rita took us through last week. uh, Words from from Jesus uh, thinking, never will I leave you. Never will will, will I forsake you. And yeah, that's the sort of verse that we hold on to. And Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. And and these are are well-known verses. And they're like texts which tell us about Jesus. And that's the first eight verses. And then you suddenly get this verse that says, do not be misled by all kinds of strange teaching. Hmm, Hang on a minute. There we were. We've got all these nice verses about Jesus. We've got our theology uh, in the first, if you like, 10 chapters. Then faith, how we live out that theology in faith, chapter 11, and how we do it practically, chapter 12. Chapter 13 begins with these verses about Jesus And then it almost seems a bit strange to say, don't be misled by strange teachings. You think, well, where's that come from? Does it kind of fit in, in, in where we're going? Don't be carried away by all kinds of strange teaching. It is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace. Okay. Not by eating ceremonial foods. You might have a different word there. Uh, The King James, I think, said meats, Um, ceremonial foods. Meats is probably enough there, if you like, or foods. It says, which is of no benefit to those who do so. We have an altar from which those who minister at the tabernacle have no right to eat. So having presented who Jesus is, what Jesus does, then the way of faith in chapter 11 how we live it out, chapter 12, chapter 13, we've suddenly got this dichotomy. We've got two ways. You can either be strengthened by grace or live according to foods or meats or what you might have in a, a more modern version, ceremonial, sacrificial foods. That, that That's a bit of a transliteration. It's been added in, in the context of what's taking place because... Don't be misled by the strange teachings. Skip the next little bit. Come on to the idea of the tabernacle and what's been said about the priest at the tabernacle. And it's probably simply referring to these two ways. You either go by grace or by foods, where the foods is a reference to the ritual sacrifice of the tabernacle. What's Hebrews been talking about? Ritual sacrifice at the tabernacle. And then in the latter half, how we live according to grace. So here we are. At the end of the chapter, the writer is fetching his audience to this point of decision making. Sounds right, doesn't it? It's what you do at the end of a sermon. You say, look, this is one way. This is the other way. Now make your choice. Which are you going to do? Are you going to go this way of grace or this way of foods? I'll I'll stick to calling it foods, Uh, okay? The the, the options are there. The writer's already presented what he thinks. From from the start, he set out something about Jesus. So you get the impression, you know where he's going on this one. But even from verse 1, he began to tell us about why Jesus is better. Why Jesus is superior to anything else, anyone else. The the first words of the book of Hebrews talk about in the past, you were told told this. The prophets gave you these messages, but now we have Jesus. The one who's changed things is Jesus. Daniel, if you'd like to put the next slide up, please. And so we can see how, first of all, Jesus is is better than the prophets. And then later on, the next one is the angels. Jesus is better than the angels. Now, we as people regard the angels quite highly because they can do things that we can't do. The angels can zip around and do all sorts of powerful things that while we are in our human mode, we're a bit limited about anything spiritual whether good or bad jesus is better it's obvious jesus made him <laughs> yeah he is the creator so jesus must be better than any of these other if you like spiritual beings what's more better than anything spiritual better than anything human Again, as the creator, the one who was around before there was anything else, he's God. So he was around before there was anything spiritual or anything, if you like, earthly in the sense that we are thinking, anything created. And so anyone human, Jesus, is better. Jesus, sorry, God then, if you like, brought everything in and gave the people a way to live, a law through Moses given to Moses now the law was never bad Paul told us in Romans God gave us the law so it's good however as Paul also said something better was coming and a fulfillment of the law came in Jesus so what God gave us if you like in the law was good but Jesus is greater than the law all the law could do was show us that we were wrong it gave us a way to live But as we read in Romans, it showed us basically that we don't live perfectly. We get things wrong. We sin. And so Jesus gave us a way that that is perfect. And only he could do that because he's the only one who is perfect because he's God. So it's better than the prophets, the angels, the humankind, if you like, Moses. And among these ways, God gave a rest as well. But that Sabbath rest was one day a week. So you had one day a week to focus on God. In Christ, we have a Sabbath rest, which is not just one day a week. It's every day because there is a rest in Christ for those who receive him as their saviour. So that's not just on a Sunday or a Saturday or whatever your Sabbath day is. But it's every day. This is what Hebrews tells us. And it tells us then that the way Jesus is brought in is better. So the evidence so far is mounting up in one direction. God gave his people ways to access him. They had a tent of meeting. Moses went into it. There was that sense of meeting there with God. And then the priest would go in there and offer a sacrifice. We're told how this sacrifice needed to be made, that there needed to be a blood sacrifice for, even for God's people, to meet with God. So Aaron and later priests, once a year, would go into the Holy of Holies with an offering. What Hebrews tells us is that, okay, Aaron could do that. He did it Every year, if you like, once a year, Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, but there were other sacrifices during the year. But again, Jesus did it once. Once was Jesus' blood shed, but that was enough. Not just for the sins of one person, not just for the sins of that year, but for everybody, for all time. That is how amazing, how powerful, how complete the sacrifice was. blood of Jesus so what Jesus was doing was more was better than what Aaron could do Aaron could do it on behalf of the people but we're told that Jesus became that one that mediator if you like between man and God such that we as people can be with him who is God and there's just one more better than in Hebrews, and that's uh, concerning this man Abel, who uh, curiously featured as this first man of faith. What did he do? Well, we don't know much about Abel. He offered a sacrifice, and we know it was the the first fruits from from the land. Um, But the key thing was he got murdered. And yet we're told Abel's blood speaks to us from the ground. So Abel's blood... Well, what happened to Abel? He was killed... Yeah, we don't know a lot else. So it was blood that spoke of sin. It was blood that spoke of murder, that spoke of death. As we read in Hebrews, it's in chapter 12, it speaks of hope as well. But compare that with the blood of Jesus. Because the blood of Jesus, yeah, came about because of the sins of people. It... it It did lead to death, but as we majored on last weekend, it spoke of life and didn't just speak of life, it brought life. Everything else that was taking place was like a picture of what was to come. What Aaron was doing, there was blood being sprinkled on the altar, but it was a picture of how sin could be washed away by blood, but only a picture. Because the blood of the animals couldn't actually wash away the sin. The blood of Jesus actually, in reality, washed away the sin, paid for the sins of all of us. So that's why the blood of Jesus... Was better than the blood of Abel, better than the blood of any of these other animals. So, when the writer is presenting two ways, he's saying there's a way of sacrifice, the food's way, if you like, is that way of sacrifice, that way of of ritual, of of ceremony, or you can go the way of grace, the way of, of Jesus. So what he's not done is said that this way of foods, this way of of ritual sacrifice is bad. That that wouldn't make sense. Uh, God brought it in. It's from God. God brought the law in. So the law's not bad. It's from God. And the sacrifice was brought in by God. It's not bad. So there's not a disrespect of, of, if you like, religious practice. Something Ian spoke of a, a couple of weeks ago. I think it was, was how we sometimes kind of like to distance ourselves from this idea of of religion. And we do it in evangelism to say, well, people follow religions, but what's the key? Well, it's about a relationship with God. Totally right. And we do. We don't emphasize a set of ways that are religious, but we emphasize the fact that we can know Jesus. We can know God himself through Jesus. And so it's right to say, yeah, we're, we're dealing and we, we, we focus on relationship. But to say we don't do religion, well, well, well hang on, you, where are you now? You're in church, and you're in church at 10.30 on a Sunday morning. Uh, and there are other things that we do quite habitually. God even told us to do a few things. Uh, within the Church of Scotland, we know that we'll, we do baptism. We do the Lord's Supper and, and these are things that we do regularly that are, if you like, ordinances within, if you like, religious practice. So in actual fact, as Christians, we are involved in religious practice. We, we, can't, we shouldn't try and distance ourselves and say, we're well, not religious. Because we do things religiously. Sabbath, that's, a, that's another one that, that we, we kind of do. But it's, well, the whole point, and Sabbath is a good example Is that Sabbath is something that was done once, periodically, regularly, and done for the purpose of a focus on God. Whereas now we don't have to do things once a week. We know that every day we can rest in God. You catch the difference. See, if the religion, if if the ways are the end in themselves, that they can lead to death. They can be deathly. You can go through the motions. You can do things regularly, habitually, and you begin to lose something of the life that they're meant to impart, if you like. Because these things, like the Lord's Supper and baptism, they are means of receiving grace. God uses these things to draw us to himself. If the end is that method, is the thing in itself, the practice it leads to death. But if the end is that we would be drawn deeper into him who told us what to do and how to do it, then we're going to grow in him. So I think that's, again, it's consistent, obviously, with, with what Ian was sharing a couple of weeks ago, but how we, we shouldn't be afraid too often of to saying about, about religion, let, let, let's not throw baby out with bathwater, and let's say, yeah, if a religious practice... is is from God and done so that we're drawn to him, let's acknowledge it. But let's always remember that the purpose of these things is not the practice itself. It's that we might learn about him, receive from him, and, yeah, be blessed by him and grow in him and turn to him through them. So what Hebrews has given us so far is these two ways One way, which you can do, but now there's a new way, a way of grace. So let's follow the way of grace. What do we do? Let's look at the next few verses. Right, verse verse 11 then. The high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering, but the bodies are burned outside the camp. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate, to make the people holy through his blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. Hmm, okay. So grace, foods, what do we do? I think we'll go the way of grace. Let's go the way of Jesus. How do we go the way of Jesus? Well, we go to Jesus, yeah? all makes sense so far, and then says outside the camp, outside the city. Hang on a minute, hang on a minute, hang on a minute. Tabernacle, temple, this is where God is. Moses met with God in the camp. Moses met with God, if you like, in the Holy of Holies, or with Aaron then. Yeah, I think that's where the blood was. The, the, The animal's blood was shed. The priest would take it in, sprinkle it on the mercy seat, in the Holy of Holies. And that's about meeting with God. Now we've got a verse saying Jesus is outside the camp. Yeah, we, we, we like the thought Jesus, grace, food, grace, food, grace. Let's do it. Let's go, grace. Therefore, go to Jesus. Outside the camp. Hmm. I wonder if that's where we'd have expected. The way it might make sense is to think of what was taking place at that point of death, that point of crucifixion on on Good Friday. What happened with the goats on on, on the Day of Atonement? Two goats. One of them was killed and the blood sprinkled on the mercy seat inside the Holy of Holies. And what happened to the other one? Well, something a bit strange happened because this goat was kind of prayed over such that the sins that weren't covered by the blood were now on the goat, in the goat. That that goat became, if you like, not just that, that image of sin, but like sin. One was dead, okay, the blood sprinkled, yeah, it's dead. Hang on a minute, the rest of the goat can't go in the tent now because it just wouldn't be right. It's only holiness inside the tent. So that goat, outside the city. But the scapegoat was the one that had the sin put onto it. It's as if everything that that goat was, it was now sin, we've got to get rid of it, open the gates, And it's gone outside the city. So that sin is no longer part of the camp. Sin was dealt with by putting it onto something and sent away. What happened with Jesus? What happened with Jesus? Calvary was just outside the city walls. Which is why it's saying, go outside the city. Some of the words of Jesus on the cross... My God, why have you forsaken me? Whoa, hang on. How could God forsake? How could Father forsake Son? It sounds absolutely preposterous. It, It doesn't make sense. How could there be a separation between Father and Son? One is in the other. But just for one moment, the one who never sinned became sin. The sins of the world, the sins for me, the sins from you were suddenly placed on Jesus. Think of the sins into that goat. Your sin and my sin. That that, that that's just a goat. That's just a goat. It's gone. Jesus when the sin was placed on him it's as if he was then this embodiment of sin for just that moment and at just that moment there's no way that the father could be tainted by that sin so for just that moment there was a separation so there's a holiness of God holy of holies Jesus sin but Jesus outside the camp When Jesus died the temple of the the curtain of the temple ripped open suddenly now we have access to holy God because our sins had fallen on Jesus but we know that's not the end of the story, Jesus came back to life because of who he is. He, the, the, those sins were paid for by his blood, but they were paid for. And in the shedding of that blood, those sins have now gone, as the Bible tells us, as far as the east is from the west. So your sin, my sin, was paid for at that moment by jesus grace is that we receive something we never deserved we are receiving the forgiveness of our sins at the expense of jesus god's riches at christ's expense is the acronym for grace isn't it yeah so jesus Outside the city died. We, we can't build the metaphor too much more, other than say, therefore, as Jesus died, a, a, a sin taking our sin, then we it's just said, bear that disgrace and go to Him outside the city. If you like, that's the place of atonement where Jesus is, at one with God, is there outside the city. In other words, we go to him. Knowing that because of that, we now have access to God. We can get very hung up in metaphors and trying to build this into the picture or that into the picture. But let's simply take it as, as we've been given. We go to him because we know in him our sins are paid for. And he died outside of the city. Therefore, we need to go outside acknowledging our own sin. But It says bearing Our sin, in in the sense of knowing that. That's why we go to him. We don't go to him because we're perfect. We go to him because we're not. So the word says, go to him. So that, at the end of the day, is the way of grace. There's two ways. Strengthened by grace. In other words, there's a way of grace to follow. Or there's a way of Foods, whatever that way is, it's a way that isn't necessarily bad, but if it doesn't take us to Jesus, it's ultimately deathly. The way of grace is the way of life. How does that little passage end there? Uh, We do not, if you like, here, have an enduring city. See, the ways of the ritual the religion, don't go anywhere. It doesn't last. It lasts for a day. It lasts for a moment. However, we are looking for a city that is to come, an eternal, if you like, city. You might want to call it it Zion, a place with God that is God's place. The way of ritual, the way of religion, doesn't endure it was set up so that we might know that there is a way but the only way that is really going to work that our city is going to be enduring is if we go by the way of grace because the way of grace isn't just for the moment isn't just for the day isn't just for that particular sacrifice it's for the sacrifice of jesus so it lasts forever it's eternal. It endures. Very simple then. Hebrews is a book with such deep truths. But at the end of the day, it's about Jesus, what he's done, how we respond to him. And then the options are placed in front of us. We can go the way of foods or we can go the way of grace. Let's watch a video. In in Christ, if you're in Christ, you're a new creation. The old's gone, but the new has come. Uh, This morning, if the new has come for you, amen. Uh, If if you're not sure, if you've ever really received this way of grace, do something about it. Uh, Do something about it. Ask ask Jesus to take over. Um, And and maybe this morning, there are things which have been lost things which are just not what they ought to be if you want to pray about that do do, do pray about it um round here the, the children aren't coming up uh if you like towards the end that's going to be it now we're just going to close with a song uh but if you want to come forward there's members from the the ministry team the prayer team would just delight to be able to pray with you and uh, we'll set aside an area here whatever you want to pray about if you just want to seal in something that God's been working in you this morning then uh then come and pray, and if you want someone to pray with you there'll be somebody up here who'll pray with you as well and uh let let's invite God to 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 further his, his, his work in, in us this morning uh in in knowing this truth not, not just thinking we're a new creation, but actually living out this new creation who, who, who we are in him. So uh, anyway, Rich is going to lead us in a song. And if at any point you just want to come forward and begin to pray, please do so.